0: Jesus said to his disciples about that day and hour no one knows neither the angels of heaven nor the son but only the father for as the days of Noah were so will be the coming of the son of man for as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage. Until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away, so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake. at an unexpected hour. One will be taken and one will be left. Most of us who have been around know that in the last decade there was a very popular series out of books which were kind of part science fiction, part pseudo-theology, part romantic drama called Left Behind. And those of you who are fairly well acquainted with the varieties of Christianity on the American scene will also know that there is a peculiar strand of Christianity, whether it's post-millennialism or pre-millennialism or just plain old apocalyptic, I'm not sure, that teaches teaches its members that when the second coming occurs there will be a rapture. People will be taken up. And in fact not so very long ago there was a t-shirt that depicted a cloud of smoke over a pair of sneakers saying something along the lines, the rapture has come. Now it's amusing to us but as a member of the congregation has told me and as I have also seen in writing elsewhere, this can be terrifying for young children. A member of this community who grew up in that tradition says one day he arrived home to an empty house and for a good long moment he was terrified that the rapture had come and he was left behind. Today's gospel is one of the texts that that theology or perspective relies on but I think it's got it all wrong because the parallel that Jesus draws between the two women grinding the meal and the two in the field, it's not a parallel which suggests those who are taken are in favor with God. Quite the reverse. The parallel that Jesus draws is with Noah's flood, and the people who are swept away are not the ones who are in favor with God. They are the ones who are taken by surprise. What is it that differentiates the woman left grinding the meal and the one who is taken away, the one in the field who is left, and the one who is taken away? I don't think it's necessarily what differentiates people in the minds of those who believe in rapture theology, if you will. being left behind is not a fun thing. This was true of the early Christian community which probably heard Matthew's words in this form for the first time. Some hold that that early Christian community was based in Antioch following the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD they would have felt very much left behind and indeed some of them probably would have known people who were taken and people who were left when the Romans came and completely destroyed Jerusalem cutting off not only the rootstock for Judaism but also the rootstock for those early Christians they would have understood what it meant to be left behind. Or in the Midwest where I grew up, where a tornado could come through and level an entire block of a town and leave one house standing. Anybody who worked with people recovering from a disaster like that would tell you the people who had the hardest time were not those who lost everything, but those who still had their house. Why us? Why us? And just to bring it home a little bit closer, I looked on the news today and a train had derailed in New York City, taking lives with it. It's a line that I have taken regularly to and from retreats for the Brotherhood of St. Gregory. And then one of the brothers wrote, who lives in Yonkers and he said, had I gone to church this morning to where I normally go, that would have been the train I would have taken. Pray. Pray, said. It comes like a thief in the night, doesn't it? Most of us have had life experiences that have reminded us about our own vulnerability and about how death can be very near all of a sudden and wonder sometimes why has it touched others and not touched us but jesus doesn't leave us there to wonder for very long does he rather he tells us keep awake keep awake be alert What is it about the woman grinding meal or the person left in the field focused on their labor and on their work? Perhaps with some mindfulness. Now, the old cliché goes, practice makes perfect, right? And Advent is an opportunity for us to re-engage with our Christian practice. That is part of the call, I think, that Jesus draws us into. While we are wondering about what it would mean to be left behind or taken, Jesus draws us away from that obsession, that fearful obsession, and back into wakefulness, mindfulness, as another tradition would talk about it, practice. So, practice makes perfect, right? My aha moment around that cliche was when Leon Fleischer, who was a great pianist of the last century, a great pianist who incidentally suffered a terrible hand injury and had to stop playing, and then went on to become a master teacher for a whole generation of concert artists. And he was reported to have taught, no, perfect practice makes perfect. When I first came across that saying as I was preparing for a concert career, I thought, what the devil does he mean? Perfect practice makes perfect. How do you practice perfect? took me quite a long time to realize what he meant. He was talking about mindful practice and careful practice. But more than that, he was talking about the fact that practice doesn't end in the practice room. Practice continues even when the lights come up and the audience is hushed. It was more wisdom than just what every concert artist knows, that you can't do anything on stage if you haven't already done it in the practice room. True enough. But more than that, performance is not distinct from practice, it is yet another form of practice. To take it a step further, the great teacher Shinichi Suzuki, after whom a whole school of musical training is named, would tell his students, knowledge is not skill. Knowledge is not skill. Knowledge plus 10,000 times is skill. Sounds almost like a Zen koan, doesn't it? Knowledge plus ten thousand times is skill. How many of us can afford ten thousand times of anything? But what he was imparting, of course, was that embodying knowledge, practice, the discipline is a never-ending part of musicianship, part of what a friend of mine once regarded as the religion for artists. What she meant was practice. And that doesn't stop when the audience is hushed and the lights come up. I have a hunch that's one of the things that Jesus is pointing to in today's Gospel. That in the second coming, when the divine performance begins, when the lights come up and the audience is hushed, the practice does not end. Keep awake, therefore, be ready, Jesus tells us. practice. Now, knowledge is not skill when it comes to the inbreaking of God's kingdom. Knowledge plus 10,000 times is skill. Miss Advent, what will your practice be to keep awake, to be prepared, as the audience is hushed and the lights come up and the divine performance is about to begin. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at oursaviourmv.org That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R M-V for Mill Valley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.